open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, if you guys remember last time we were together in Colossians, uh, we talked about the deity of Christ, and that involved two things uh, in our study. It was about the headship, uh, well, Jesus' headship over all creation and his headship over all the church. And it, the point was very simple. Jesus is are all in all, right? And and all things were created by him, through him, and for him. And thus our lives need to be a reflection of him. And everything we do everywhere we go and say, we, we just need to be real, right? We need to be a light onto this world. And Jesus Christ, you know, he, need, he needs to be number one. He needs to be first. If he's not first, obviously, what is that? You're in idolatry, right? And, and so he needs to be number one in our lives. And so we need to keep Christ on the throne uh, of our hearts and our minds uh, and all that we do and say, because why? The enemy is going to come and really distract us, right? He's going to come at us and, and uh, man, he's going he's gonna to do some damage. And so we need to keep Christ as number one in our lives because the battle is really for you and I. Um, and then we learned uh, that Jesus has preeminence, right, uh, in all creation and over the church. And uh, the exhortation was really that he needs to have that preeminence in our lives as well. Uh, we got to, you know, hand over our lives to the Lord. So uh, let's get started in Colossians chapter 1, and uh, let's pick up in verse 24. We're going to read all the way to chapter 2, uh, all the way to verse 7 tonight. Um, let's go ahead and start reading. It says in verse 24, Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which was, has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and uh, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that the, their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of, the, of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk in him. I love it. So tonight we're going to break up our text into two separate uh, sections. The first is the end of chapter 1. Uh, really talking about the mystery of the church. So that's going to be chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. 
And then we're going to not only talk about the mystery of the church, but the maturity in the church. That's going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, but let's look at the mystery of the church in verses 24 uh, to 29. Now, what, what is this all about? Let's just take a little pause. I think the mystery of the church is really at the end of verse 27. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And I think this is it right here. Which is what? Christ in you. The hope of glory. So that's amazing to realize that Christ is living in you and I, the church, right? The body of Christ. He's living in us. It's so exciting. Um, there's three things about this mystery in the church. Number one is the results of the mystery in Paul. Uh, in verses 24 to 25, let's look at the fact that Christ is actually in Paul, or was in Paul, uh, what, was the, what was the byproduct of that? What was the result of Christ being in Paul's life? Um, notice, number one, it resulted in rejoicing. Notice in verse 24, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in, a, in the, the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So because Christ Jesus was dwelling richly in Paul, that's the hope of glory, the mystery of the church, right? Paul was able now to rejoice in suffering. Uh, and so, by the way, turn to 2 Corinthians, to your left, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Did, did Paul uh, suffer for his ministry? Yeah, yeah, he did. Of course he did, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Look at verse 23. It says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, Paul says. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I have been in the, the deep, wow, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in the perils in the sea, in the perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. I love that last part. It's like, wow, all that, and the whole time his deep concern in the midst of all of that was his concern for all the churches. It's, I love that. I want to give that guy a hug. I got to tell you guys, whenever you guys are suffering, just call me up and I got a few verses for you to check out, right? I think you'll feel a lot better knowing that somebody else has gone through a lot more than you and I have, right? Uh, and that kind of helps, by the way, doesn't it? When you're going through something and you realize, oh man, it could be way worse than this. And kind of helps you feel better. I don't know how that happens. But um, imagine if you wanted to be God's favorite person of all. I mean, imagine being in competition with... Um, well, you got David, you got Abraham, you got Moses, you got uh, Samuel, you got Paul, right? All that he went through. I, I'm just happy that the Lord, there's no partiality in Christ Jesus, right? Um, that we are, we're loved by the Lord. There's no partiality. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to go through all that stuff. But tonight we're going to find out a special something that 
we kind of do got to go through something. And uh, you're, you're going to have to listen in on that. Uh, but in spite of all of his sufferings, it's so cool. Paul was able to still uh, to, to really rejoice in his sufferings. By the way, turn to 2 Timothy. Go all the way to your right, past Colossians. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, you see, there's something about suffering that we need to understand. That suffering is directly linked to godly living. Um, do, do you guys want to... Well, let me ask you guys. Do you desire to live godly? Do you? Well, if that's the case... Second um, Timothy chapter three, look at verse twelve. Second Timothy three twelve. Yes, and all circle the word all that includes you, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow, the truth is, guys, we're all going to suffer. We're all going to suffer persecution, and we're all going to go through it. In fact, it's a promise by Jesus Christ himself. In John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You see, that's the, we, we love those promises. Lord, just open up the floodgates of heaven and just flood me with your, 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 your gifts, right? And, oh, I just, I just want your, you know, give me anything here. And what if God wanted to give you the gift of suffering? Well, guess what? He does. <laughs> and for some of us, it might be a little, little time, right, where we're like, what was that? He's already done with that, right? And others, it's like long years, right? Um, and it's like, what, 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 you know, it's not about us, though, right? And that's what Paul understood, and that's what we're going to go over tonight, that it's about, well, it's about Jesus, obviously, right? We're, we're living for him and, and in him, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the fire, and they were able to worship Jesus, or the Lord, right, uh, in the midst of the, the fire, and while well, Jesus was there, right? Um, and so, very, very interesting that we can, we can, in suffering, learn to realize that it's not about us, right? It's not about, oh, woe is me, you know, and... Uh, no, it's about others, right? Why, why did the Lord allow you to go through this? Well, all those years that you spent in your house reading those scriptures and preparing and preparing, but you weren't giving it out, it's almost like the Lord wants to get you now. He's like, well, I'm going to get it out, right? I'm going to put you in the hospital. And it's specifically around these non-believers. It's not going to be around a bunch of believers. And, and now you're going to open your mouth, and then, boosh, they start getting saved. And, and then now you start to realize, oh, that's why you have me here, right? Paul was in jail, you know, and then all of a sudden the guard gets saved, his whole family gets saved. You guys see where I'm going? There's, it's like a ripple effect, but it's for others that we go through these things. Um, the truth is God is going to bless us with suffering. <laughs> uh, James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. I didn't think I was going to get an amen there. <laughs> oh, man. 
Paul was able to rejoice in his suffering. How, how is that even possible, right? It was because of the mystery of the church. It was because of Christ in him, the hope of glory, right? Um, and because Christ is living and dwelling in you and I, that, that's how we can now rejoice in our suffering, right? So Colossians, look at, go back to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 24. It says in the rest of it, in the middle, and fill up in my flesh... What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Wait, so all the afflictions uh, and sufferings of Christ were lacking in some way? Is that, is that what he's saying? No. Let, don't misunderstand what Paul is saying here. The sufferings of Jesus Christ lack nothing. They fall short in no area as it pertains to salvation, our eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? Um, and remember what Jesus said in, in John 19, 30? He said, it's tetelestai, right? It's finished. It's done. Everything has been, it's done, right? It's been done at the cross. So what is Paul talking about then? I think Paul's talking about being conformed uh, to the sufferings of Christ and his own sufferings, right? So what, what is the reason for that? Look at the end of verse 24. For the sake of his body, which is the church. So realize you and I are going to suffer, right? And, and his sufferings, Jesus' sufferings were finished at the cross. And if we want to be like Christ, uh, we need to we need to follow, right? Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. And uh, the suffering, he was suffered. And so, guys, we're going to suffer. We're, we're promised to be blessed in that area of suffering. So we're going to go through it. Um, and, and, well, let's come to the second thing here. I don't want to get too far into all this. But the second thing about the results of the mystery uh, in Paul we said it results in number one in rejoicing in verse 24, but number two, it results in ministering in verse 25. Ministering, it says right here in verse 25, of which I, Paul, became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, this word minister, diakonos, uh, don't think of a, a, a pastor, you know, up behind a pulpit with a suit, right? Uh, you and I, the body of Christ, we are ministers of Jesus Christ. We're his ambassadors. We're his light, right, uh, to, to this world. So it's, it's speaking of a servant. A servant is one who ministers to the needs, to the cares of others, right? And all of us are ministers. We're all to serve other people, uh, maybe at work, maybe at home, uh, maybe here at the fellowship um, in some way. Uh, the only way we can serve others, though, is because of the hope of glory. It's because of Christ Jesus in us. That's the only way that we can serve, right? Because there's nothing good in us. Thus, nothing good can come out of us. But if there is good, if there is life, if there is truth, if there is Christ in us, then guess what's going to come out, right? How cool is that? And it's good. the byproduct is going to be through your serving. It's going to be through your hands. It's going to be through your mouth. The church is unique in, in so many ways uh, that we bless not only the Lord, but we bless each other as we're blessing the Lord. We, we, we do what we do onto the Lord. And obviously the church recognizes that, right? The feet says, hey, thanks, right? I'm going to take you here now. And the mouth says, well, I'm going to start talking. And uh, so we all play an important role uh, as the body of Christ. It's beautiful uh, when it's put together. But um, 
serving others, it's really a calling that God puts in our lives. And it's his working in and through us, really from start to finish. And so we, we too, when we realize that Christ is dwelling in us richly, right, and, and through us, we then will really fulfill the calling that, that, that Christ has given us, right, in our lives. And so the moment Paul decided to minister uh, the gospel, when he got saved, you guys remember Acts chapter 9, he's on the road to Damascus, and all this happens, but he decides, you know what, I'm gonna, he's, he's diving in, right? He's gonna live for the Lord uh, wholeheartedly. And the moment he began to preach the gospel to the world, what happened? Immediately, Boom! It seemed like everything just started to fall apart. Here comes the trials. Here comes the tribulations. Here comes the the misery, right? And it's like, oh, what did I do wrong, right? I'm suffering. But the same is for you and I today, guys. If we begin to step out in faith and begin to give the gospel immediately, it's called spiritual warfare, right? Uh, Immediately, you're going to get hit. Why? Because the enemy hates not only you, but he hates Christ in you. The, the enemy is Christ in you, right? And, and he hates it. He hates the Lord, right? And, and you are living and abiding and dwelling with Christ with the consistent walk, right? As you're getting in the word and you're in prayer. But the moment you speak out to the world, to your friends, to your coworkers, right? To those around you, your neighbors, all of a sudden, a crater just hit your house. How did that happen, right? Me of all people, right? There, something always happens. I don't care. I've, I've, I've tested this, guys. I was out in the desert in the middle of nowhere, and there's always going to be distractions when you give the gospel. It's like, really? A tumbleweed out of nowhere hits us in the face. How did that, right? Seriously? Really? <laughs> right? So you can imagine... You know, when we're downtown, we're giving the gospel to people, uh, there's always so-and-so that walks right up and starts, he's the joker, right? Really, they get really loud. Uh, there's always something, a phone call, oh, I got to go, sorry, man. And they, you know, it's like, of course, right? Um, but uh, anyways, Ephesians six sixteen, the enemy's going to shoot out those fiery darts at you. You're going to get hit, but it's all good because it's Christ in us right? The hope of glory. And if Christ is for us, who could be against us, right? We're, we walk a victorious Christian walk with the Lord. Um, oh, I forgot the book name. There's a commentary in Joshua. I think it's Ellen, Ellen Redpath. If you guys get a hold of that. Victorious Christian uh, Living, I think it's called. Um, good book. Check it out. Um, anyways, let's come to the second thing, the, the revealing of the mystery to Paul. Um, this is in verses 26 and 27. Look at verse 26. It says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Now, by the way, mystery, this word, doesn't mean uh, something, you know, mysterious or spooky, right? Or, or scary. Mysterion, uh, really the biblical definition is right here in verse 26. That's basically what it means, uh, which has been hidden from the ages and generations, but now has been revealed uh, to his saints. So now this mystery of the church, it's, it's not the salvation of the Gentiles, like many think. Uh, that, that was not the mystery. It was not hidden from the Jews, right? They knew that the Gentiles would be saved. Um, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God told Abraham, he said, in you all, circle the word all, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. 
Isaiah 49, 6. Guys, there's a whole bunch of scripture. I'm only going to give you like two here. But it says, indeed, he says, is, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant uh, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? He says, and this is where it is, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my, my salvation to the ends of the earth. And again in Isaiah 42 verse 6, uh, that they would be a light onto the Gentiles. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 3, um, really at the end of verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to light, right? You guys look at the wording there. It's not your, it's light. They'll come to light, coming to Jesus and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so we're, we're told that the Gentiles would come to light, right? Speaking of the Messiah, they'll come to Jesus. So obviously the mystery is not the Gentiles coming to salvation, uh, and the Jews understood that. So back to Colossians. What, what is this mystery? Well, look at, look at verse 27. Uh, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, and underline this, which is Christ in you, that's it. There it is. There's the mystery revealed. Boosh. There it is. Right? The hope of glory. That is the mystery of the church. It's very simple. It's Christ in you. And not that the Gentiles would come to faith in Christ, but that the Gentiles, um, and, and really there's another aspect to that as well, the more you look at it, because the, the Jews and the Gentiles will now become one. Ah, very interesting. Uh, in other words, the, the, the Gentiles will have all the promises alongside the Jews as well. There'll be one, right? There'll be no more separation. In fact, in Romans eleven seventeen, 17, um, the Bible says you and I have been grafted in to the family, right, of the, the Jews, basically. Uh, very, very interesting stuff, what's, what's happening here. But the Gentiles and the Jews, they'll, they'll be one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 makes it very clear. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, both what? The Jew and Gentile, right? Jesus made both one uh, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them, them, the Gentile and the Jew, both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So, and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. So the Jew and the Gentile, for through him we both, who's we, the Jew and the Gentile, having have access by one spirit to the Father. I love that. So uh, it was Christ who tore down that middle wall of separation. And so understand Christ is dwelling in us, the church, to enable us, to empower us, to what? To rejoice in our sufferings in the context, right? And so, and to minister to others. So to rejoice in suffering, verse 24, and to, uh, uh, for others as well in 25. So let's come to the third thing here. Let's look at the responsibility of the mystery 
by Paul. Look at verses 28 to 29. And what was Paul's responsibility as it pertains to, to Christ living in him? Uh, what, what is our responsibility knowing that Christ lives in us, right? There's, there's two things here in verses 28 and 29. Um, the first thing is, number one, it involves preaching. Look at verse 28. It says, him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. See, that's the proclamation of the, this glorious mystery, that, which is Christ dwelling in you and I. See, preaching is proclaiming the gospel, right? That's what preaching is. Uh, sometimes I, it kick, I kick into overdrive and it's like, I'm no longer talking to the church. I'm just talking to the, 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 the Gentiles, right? Those who don't know Christ. And I want to just tell them about Jesus, right? I want to tell them about the cross. And then, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be teaching. Oh, yeah, I'll get back in the word here. And, uh, but proclaiming the gospel, right? Preaching is, is giving the gospel that they might get saved. When they are saved, you teach them the word of God, right? Clear distinction uh, on both of them. But we need to teach the word of God. Uh, and that's what we do here. That's what we're doing tonight, right? We go uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the word of God. Why? Because we want to present the whole counsel of God. Uh, guys, as a pastor, I don't want to be in heaven before the Lord and have to be accountable knowing that hey, I didn't present the full word of God to, to you guys, right? And knowing, man, I, Lord, I, you know, uh, why did I do that, right? Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to have any of that, right? I want to say, Lord, whatever you called me to, Lord, it, it was you in me that allowed, right, to come forth. And, and it was him from start to finish. And I want it to be all him, right? All grace. And, and because he is, he's sufficient, right? And his grace is sufficient. But, Let's get back here. Um, notice this, the reason for this. Don't, don't miss this. What's the purpose for it? Look at verse 28. It says that we, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's great. Because Jesus Christ is in you. You are perfect now in him. Right? Colossians 2.10, it says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You're complete in him, right? So notice we're not complete by ourselves, right? And they go get some self-help books and really get my self-esteem up before I can, you know, somehow get to some kind of status before God and then God will start to listen and things will fall into place. No, he wants you to be broken on your face and humble yourself, repent of your sins, right? And turn to him that he might really re bring restoration and making something of, we're clay, he's the potter, right? And he'll do something beautiful with something broken, right? He, he, from the ashes, right? make something beautiful and that's what he's doing in us we don't need to try to help him with anything right who made us complete who brought us to perfection it's Christ Jesus and uh, positionally by the way he sees us in perfection already I love that uh, we need to understand our perfection is really based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and everything else is just a byproduct because of Christ living in us right it's not because of who we are somehow we mustered up enough faith and boom we went out and we did something for God and God's all whoa that was impressive wow right no it's Christ in you right who performs through you 
And it's just, it's a, those of you who are believers, you understand what I'm saying, but I can imagine those in the world that are like, what? Right? That's why I prayed in the beginning, like, Lord, you open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, right? That he would give us his understanding, um, because his word, we need his, his word. Um, but secondly, it involves working. Look at verse 29. It says, to this and I also labor, striving according to his working, with, which works in me mightily. So all of Paul's working and striving was Christ in him, the hope of glory, right? And he was not working and striving according to the flesh in any way. Um, if, if this is you, by the way, stop it, right? There's no value in, in trying to perform and trying to do something oh, and be like, oh, no one showed up, so I have to go do it. No, you don't, right? If it's ministry... Let go and let God, right? That's always been my little thing. Let go, let God. Just let the Lord handle it. But, th- but there's not going to be enough money if, uh, if I don't help. Well, who cares? If he's not building it, I don't want to be a part of it anyways, right? Let go, let God. Let the Lord. It's his church. He knows what he's doing. Let him do all. Let tomorrow care for its own, right? Imagine you can, you can sleep really well with that attitude, can't you? Uh, but if you're holding on to everything, trying to control everything, man, you're not sleeping, and it gets tough. It gets rough. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So if you're serving the Lord according to the flesh, you're not serving, uh, your serving is not acceptable to the Lord. Uh, serving the Lord, it's not uh, of the flesh, right? Zechariah 4, 6, we know it's not by might nor by power, but how? Through his spirit. And Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice it's God working in us, not us working in us, right? That would be the flesh. Uh, and you and I need to be filled and led by the Lord, right? We need to be having his discernment and his wisdom in all that we do and say. So don't get me wrong, you guys. It's, I love you guys so much, but guess what? We're, we're all insufficient. Amen, church? Amen. Some of you guys are probably mad at me, but that's okay. We're not sufficient, and this is why the Bible says, makes it very clear, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirits. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. That's why we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And so if Christ is living in us, then there should be a change within us, right? And hopefully we're maturing. Hopefully that we're growing in our walk with the Lord. Um, but some of us, you know, when we came to the Lord, immediately we changed, right? It was like, boosh. They, there's no struggle. It was, it, it, we're done. But the rest of us, right, <laughs> we're a work in progress, man. And it's like, how did that happen with that guy? But it's okay, we're all in different stages, but uh, nonetheless, it's the Lord doing his working in us. And so I want to give you guys three things as it pertains to uh, really the maturity in the church. Uh, Number one, we're going to look at the principle of maturity. That's going to be in verses one to three. Then we're going to look at the purpose of maturity. That's going to be in verses four and five. 
And then we're going to look at the progress of maturity. And that's going to be in verses 6 and 7. So let's look at the principle of maturity in verse 1 uh, to 3. In verse 1, Paul only gives us one, by the way, and it's in verse 1. And it's a concern for others. Notice it says, For I want you to know what a great conflict that I have for you and those in Laodicea and for, those as, uh, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now, Paul had a great conflict uh, within himself. Uh, conflict, this is the word agony, right? Uh, he was, uh, there was agonizing. It was a struggle within his heart uh, for the church. And those of you who, uh, if you love somebody, you're going to warn them of the danger coming ahead, right? And that was Paul's heart. He loved them so much, even though he didn't see them, he was willing to warn them of what's going to come ahead. And guys, we need that today, don't we? <laughs> we need to be warned. That's why I'm so grateful for our pastor that he's putting the truth out. And we got to pray, guys. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And those who are on the front lines, uh, they're, they're going to get hit. And we got to be very, very uh, just in prayer. Be, be on our knees for one another because we're the body, right? We need to support one another. Um, but... Um, turn it, by the way, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians to your left, about a page or two. One principle of a mature believer or maturity in the church as a whole uh, is having a genuine concern uh, for other people. Uh, and I'm so glad uh, to be a part of this fellowship because you guys have a genuine concern for each other. And I love that about you guys. Some, most, some of you guys, I don't know, right? But... Uh, I love that, right? The best thing we can say to one another is, hey, how are you doing? Right? Look them in the eye. And, and what I do is just take, that's my prayer list for the night, right? And then I write it down and I get home and I know, right, just keep them in prayer. Because it, it, well, that's a whole nother study, right? <laughs> uh, prayer is amazing and the work that Christ could do through prayer. Um, but um, look at Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceits, but in lowliness of mind, notice of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was also in Christ Jesus. So the principle of maturity is having that genuine concern for others, right? That's the mind of Christ because that's Christ dwelling in you, right? That's something that he'll naturally, that's a byproduct of something. If you've never cared about others, all of a sudden when the Lord comes into your life, all of a sudden your heart's broken and you're in tears for another person. It's not no longer about you anymore, right? It used to be all, woe is me, and I look at my life, and now it's all about their life, right? It's the transformation that God's doing in your life. It's pretty neat. And so let's come to verse 2, go back to Colossians. Um, note carefully the reason for Paul's concern. It says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the father and of Christ so notice where his conflict was for the church of Colossae where was it in his heart did you guys catch that Paul said in 2nd Corinthians 4:16, uh, therefore we do not lose heart Right? Uh, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So our hearts are normally uh, concerned about people externally, right? There's a lot of needs in the church and a lot of things going on, and we're looking outwardly. But uh, 
John, uh, by the way, in 3 John 1, 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. See, we, we want change on the outside, but really the change needs to come on the inside. When we read the word, we begin to look at Paul's heart. We're looking at John's heart. We're looking at some of the apostles' hearts. And notice where it starts. It starts on the inside. We need to pray more so if somebody's in need, the need is greater on the inside than it is on the outside, right? And if you learn that, it's going to be easier on the outside. Uh, everything's going to fall into play in that sense. But um, understand, um, well, I, I think you guys understand, um, you know, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 17, it's God, he looks at the heart. He's not looking at the outward appearance, right? Uh, there's a couple of more scriptures, but let's go to verse 3. Uh, note carefully the source of maturity. The source of maturity, all Christian growth and maturity are because of Jesus Christ in you and I, right? Why? Because in, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, we're I'm teaching the youth group, and we're, what do we just go over? Proverbs 4. Uh, we just started in Proverbs, but just understanding that wisdom is life. Wisdom, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus became our wisdom, uh, and life is Jesus, right? You do the equation there. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, uh, John 10.10, 10, the thief doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly, right? So we not only have life, we have an abundant, overflowing life uh, because wisdom, which was there at creation, and guess who else was there at creation? It was Jesus. So Jesus is our wisdom. Uh, it's just, right? You can't get enough of it. so good. Uh, but that just reminded me, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If we want to know anything about the Lord, it needs to come from the Lord, right? And it's from his word, which his word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Just like wisdom. It's so cool. Um, your, your, your studying just never ends, right? It's like, ah! But let's come to the second thing here, uh, the purpose of maturity. Uh, let's look at the purpose of maturity. This is going to be in verses 4 and 5, and there's two things within the purpose of maturity. Uh, number one is, so we will not be deceived, Verse 4, look at verse 4, it says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So remember, uh, in Colossae, there was a lot of heresy that was happening. You got the mystics, the Gnostics, the asceticism stuff going on, all this false doctrine. You know, they might be presented well with a nice suit, right, nice haircut, um, and the, but their speech might be very eloquent, right, and very, you know, some guys, I don't know if you guys know some pastor, like, Listen up, church, right? Oh, and you're like, oh, I'm listening. <laughs> it's like, oh. Uh, and then there's people like me, like, hey, guys. <laughs> but some people have that speech where it's like, whoa, you got, you know, but we can't get carried away through the outward, right? We got to hear uh, not the persuasive words. Paul is trying to teach us something here, not to be deceived. He's saying there's a lot of these slick people out here, a lot of slick programs and, and uh, all this stuff, religions, but uh, they're deceivers. We need to be very, very careful what's out there. We, we choose to emphasize here at, at church in our fellowship, uh, studying God's word. Why? Because that's the only time that we 
know that we're telling the truth is when we present the truth, right? That's why, I don't know about you guys, but I, when I'm studying, I got all this commentary that I write down, and then I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this verse. And it just explained everything that I, so I'm constantly deleting. <laughs> and I'll just put that verse in there instead, right? Because it, 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 the scripture always just, it explains itself. And it's better to allow scripture to explain itself, right? And so when you guys come here, you're going to get the word of God. Uh, it's not about what I think. It's not about how I feel. It's not about my anything. It's about Jesus, right? It's about his word. Uh, John 17, 17, you guys remember Jesus is praying. Um, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, right? So how can we... Know that we're in the truth? Well, stay in the word of God, right? He'll direct you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. Um, so we'll, 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 number one, the purpose of maturity is not only that we would not be deceived, but secondly, that we would be united. Uh, look at verse five. It says, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul never visited them. You guys remember he's in Rome uh, writing this. So what, what is the purpose of maturity? What, what's the reason behind growth? Uh, it's so you and I will be united, right? Notice those two words right here, uh, order and steadfastness. Those two words are military words. Order speaks of rank, speaks, speaks of position, right? Steadfastness speaks of the front line. It's the group of guys, they're out in the front, they're holding ground together, right? They're getting shot at, but they're not letting the enemy pass their lines, right? They are, they're pressing forward. So do you guys get the idea that some of us guys are like, yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's being steadfast. That's what we're doing. And, and so you and I need to be united in the body of Christ, right? We can be, uh, we can disagree on a lot of things, right? Music, uh, uh, the chairs, the, the temperature, right? The color of things. It's just, it's, it's okay. We could, we could agree to disagree on things. Uh, but we need to agree that the essentials, right? What is the essential? The salvation. It's Christ alone, right? Uh, but Jesus tells us the reason why unity in the body is really so important. Uh, John 17, verse 20 He's, you guys remember, he's still he's praying here in the garden. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they, understand this, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So, guys, it's so the world may see us and believe in him, right? When there's no unity in the people, right, in the church, guys, the church, the, the people of the world, they look at us and they're like, I don't want any of that, right? They're always arguing with each other. They're upset with each other. They're complaining about this and that. They're kicking each other, right? I'm not going to go there, right? We, that's why it's so important that we are, we unite, right, as the church. We are, we're one, um, let's come to the third thing, and we'll end with this. The, the purpose of maturity. The purpose of maturity. Look at verse 6 and 7. Paul outlines for us, really, five illustrations here, examples given to us as it deals with this whole idea of progressing in our maturity or uh, our growth as believers in Christ Jesus. Number one, he illustrates it through the pilgrim. Notice in verse six, he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, 
right? This speaks of our pilgrimage through this world, right, that we're in. Uh, By the way, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 to your right. Hebrews chapter 11, um, as we progress in our maturity, it involves our walk, right? What what is this walk all about? Well, according to verse 6, it's the same way that we receive Christ. It is, and by the way, how how did we receive Christ? It was by faith, right? How do we walk as a believer? Well, it's by faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It's not by sight, right? So Hebrews 11, um, Look, you guys remember this is the hall of faith, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about faith. But look at, look at verse 8 of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith, Abraham, he obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is of God. Obviously, that's in Revelation, right, when God uh, builds. But look at Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. Uh, look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Guys, you and I are just passing by, right? We're pilgrims on this earth. We're to walk by faith. Uh, that brings us to the second illustration, dealing with our progress as believers. He illustrates it by a tree, by the way. Notice in verse 7, uh, it says rooted. By the way, this speaks of a tree, Right, So rooted, that's the wording there. Um, the, the roots of a tree go deep into the soil, finding the nutrients, the water. Uh, it reminds me of Psalm chapter 1. Uh, because when you're rooted in Christ, you're not going to be uprooted and pulled apart by anybody else. Right? No, no matter how much the winds of doctrine come, they're not going to sweep you away because you're in Christ Jesus. In fact, did you guys know, uh, and I think I told you guys this a couple times, but palm trees, I used to cut palm trees in California. I'd be up there super, super high. You know, it's swaying like 20 feet this way, 20 feet that way, and you're, you're up there with the chainsaw like, Arr! but did you know palm trees that are against the walls that do not get hit by the wind they got tiny little roots they got no roots really at all the ones that are getting pushed every day right they got those roots grow crazy big just enormous if you try digging it up it's like man how much roots are down here it's because the wind's constantly hitting them so they're constantly just grabbing down to the ground um Speaking of a tree, I got it. I just found it. I got to cut a tree in my front yard. Two thousand dollars for that thing. It's crazy. There's squirrels living in there. Um, I don't know why I said that, uh, but <laughs> it's too late now. We we got to wrap things up here. Um, but that's what that's what happens when we're rooted and when we're grounded in the Word of God. What happens? We're 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 not going to get pushed away and around by the doctrines of this world, right? We're going to grow stronger. And so, if you find yourself in a struggle, you find yourself suffering, um, you find yourself going through the, the tribulations that are coming your way, guys. It's okay. It's for your own good, and but it's also 
for the good of Christ in you because he's working and performing something beautiful. That's not, he's maturing you, right? He's, he's, he's sharpening you. He's, he's cutting off those edges where your, your attitude is just nasty, right? And he's, he needs to give you some patience, right? Because you've got to persevere through it. And, and he's doing something beautiful. Um, so that, let's go to the next thing here. Uh, he brings up the illustration of a building as well. Notice in verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. So built up means to be built on a solid foundation. So it doesn't necessarily speak of a building. I just kind of threw that out there. But the source that that building is on, that's the rock, the foundation, right? And so this building is established. It's firm. It's strong. And it's not going to be moved. Uh, In the last verse I want to give you guys, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell and great was its fall. So I don't know about you guys, but I want to be rooted and grounded and established in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. Let's, let's look at the next, uh, the fourth thing here. He brings up the illustration of a classroom. Uh, notice in verse 7, it says, as you have been taught. So maturity is realized through the teaching of the word of God. And, and we choose to teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Why? So we can receive the whole counsel of God. Uh, and last but not least, fifth, he gives us the illustration of the offering. Notice in verse 7 at the end here, it says, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now immediately, uh, the Jew's mind will definitely just immediately go to the second offering of the children of Israel in Leviticus chapter 2. It was the grain offering or the mill offering, right? And it was an offering of thanksgiving. So the point is very simple. If, if we're progressing in maturity, we're going to abound and literally um, overflow in thanksgiving, right, in our lives. As, uh, all of this flows from Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's in us, right? It's because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so this whole idea, it's based on faith. We, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Uh, we walk with Christ. And that's what I encourage you guys to do. Rely on Jesus, right? Fall more in love with him because uh, he's got you. You're secure in him, uh, but just keep your eyes on him, right? We walk by faith. Stay in the word of God. Things are getting tough, but that's fine, right? That's all right, right? In a sense, it's like, is that all we got, right? Could it get a little better than that? I don't know. But be, be, be wise, right? In the day that we're in, we're, we're here for others, right? We're here for the lost. We want to give the gospel because our, our, this isn't our home, right? We're, we're passing by. We're pilgrims. And so don't get caught up in uh, really comparing yourself with other believers. Be... Um, uh, be really content with wherever God has called you, right? Don't, don't get all like, oh, what about, who cares, right? What, what, what God's doing over there, don't worry about it. Consider what God's doing in your life today. I love you guys. Let's stand up and let's pray uh, and let's seek the Lord.
in prayer. Lord, thank you so much, uh, again, for your goodness, and uh, just that your word is, is never-ending, Lord. You're, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we love you, Father. We thank you that your word uh, is, is established, and I pray that it would be established in our hearts, that it would be established in our minds, that we would meditate on your word, that we would dwell with you daily, Father, that our roots uh, would be grounded, and we would be established in you, uh, I pray, Lord, no matter what comes our way, suffering, tribulation, trial, uh, Lord, help us to stand our ground, uh, Lord, to present your truth, that those who are coming against us, uh, Lord, that we might show them the love of you, Father, the love that you shown us when we first came to you. Um, grant us grace, Lord, grant us your word, uh, that those around us might get saved. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.